Open your Bibles up to the book of Philippians. We are going to be uh, continuing in our study through the book of Philippians. This is our third week, and we're still in chapter 1 this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 26, probably a very familiar passage to many of you. In fact, there's one verse here, verse 21, um, that I think all of you probably will recognize. Hopefully most of you will recognize And uh, if you don't recognize it, then I hope that by the end of our service today that you have it memorized. We'll work on that a little bit uh, during the service, but I want you to know it. I want you to live it. Uh, I want it to to be part of your spiritual DNA as a Christian. So we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 19 through verse 26 this morning. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ... And to die is gain. If I am to live on in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. For your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's join together in prayer. Father, we come uh, asking, Lord, not just me, but but I, I hope the believers in this room asking that you would Reveal to us your truth today, asking that you would open our eyes to see your glory, asking that you would would help us to live well, to live for Christ, to live in Christ, to live with Christ as our goal. And Lord, we want to die well. Father, I pray that you teach us what that means today. I pray that your spirit would be at work. I pray that your your spirit would reveal truth to us. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul's a guy who thinks about death. Uh, There are probably not very many of those people around. Um, And when I say think about death, I'm I'm referring to a very particular thing here. Um, I'm not talking about thinking about the way that you will die. Uh, I'm not talking about thinking about the bizarre ways that people die. Um, Our culture is obsessed with death, but in all the wrong ways. Uh, There are are shows on television um, that are dedicated to just kind of the bizarre ways that people might die, the gruesome ways that people might die. Um, There's a whole fanaticism around this whole zombie thing, okay? Now, you're going to detect a little bit of irritation in my voice, and rightly so. Uh, I just just hate it. It's just irritating to me. Uh, a couple different reasons. Number one, I looked up the, the word zombie, just Googled it real quick. And um, it, the etymology is from a pagan deity, uh, an idol, basically. 
And uh, if we believe what 2 Corinthians says, that people that worship idols don't worship a real God, um, they worship a demon, is, is what 2 Corinthians says, then it just kind of chaps me a little bit that there's this demon that's getting all this attention. Um, but not only that, but, but our, our, our culture is obsessed with just looking at death in the wrong way. Uh, it seems like that you have two prominent views of death. One is that when people die, they, they, they're this disembodied spirit that floats around kind of spying on everybody, you know? Um, and you hear people talk about that all the time. You know, I, 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 when I walk in the room, I sense grandma is there and she's telling me to bake a pie, you know, or when I go to the woodshed, you know, I, I sense that, you know, uncle Frank, you know, is chopping wood. I, I, you know, I just, just all kinds of, Hey, listen, the Bible does not support the idea at all that when you die, you, your, your body goes in the ground and your soul just kind of wanders around, you know, listening in getting mad because you can't interject your opinion in conversations. That, that's not what happens in death. Um, the whole zombie thing is the exact opposite of the Bible. When you, when you look at the Bible, what, what you see is, is that a person's soul is eternal. Okay? God made a part of you that's eternal. It'll never die. You're going to be somewhere. Your soul, the real part of you, will be somewhere forever. Your, di- your body's going to die. Your body's going to wear out. It's going to stop. It's going to cease. And it'll go on the ground. If you're a believer, when Jesus comes back, he'll raise that body from the dead and, and reunite it with your soul. And he'll make your body new like Jesus. He will fit you for the new heavens and the new earth in which you and all the saints of God will live forever in that glorious place. Now, the whole movement today with the whole zombie fanaticism basically is the opposite of that. It is your soul somehow dies or departs and is gone and your body is left to wander around stupidly and get hacked up or shot or eat. Uh, Just, it's irritating. Um, Paul is not mistaken about what happens when he dies. Um, He's very clear on it. He's very confident. He he understands exactly um, what's going to happen and and. His real deal is, is he can't decide which to be more excited about. You know, should I be excited about living some more and being fruitful for Christ and, and living for his glory and knowing him more in this life? Or should I be excited about departing and having more of Christ in, in his presence? You know, I, th- I think even when we, when we tend to think about death in our culture, we think about it in terms of other people. Um, I think I think we all know that everybody's going to die. We just don't ever think that everybody means us, right? Um, we know that there'll be funerals. We know that there'll be accidents. We know that people will get heart disease and they'll get cancer and their bodies will weaken and people will grow old. We just somehow think that it will never be us. Well, Paul is convinced it will be him. You know, he, he's facing that reality that this is me. I'm going to I'm going to die and I'm going to pass from this life. I'm going to depart from this life. And, and and he is he is well aware that what he does right now today is going to have eternal and enormous implications upon the rest of his eternity. And so he's really grappling with the real issue of death. And the real issue of death is I'm not going to be here very long. And what I do here affects everything else in eternity. That's the real issue of death. It's interesting to me that as we look at this passage, Paul is really not, he's not anxious about his death. He's, he's anxious about something else. Notice, let me walk through a couple of verses here with you real quick. Verse 19, he says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, when you see that word deliverance, what do you automatically think he's talking about? You automatically think he's talking about 
getting out of this fix, right? I'm in jail. Now I'm going to be executed. You know, the, 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 the guys outside with the ax grinding it, you know, God, I'm, I'm praying that you will get me out of here. Deliver me from this. That's not what Paul is talking about. Let, keep reading. Keep reading. Look, look at verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope. What's Paul's eager expectation? What was he straining to, to grab onto, to hope for? Here it is. That I will not be at all ashamed. That's what he's worried about. What's Paul worried about? He's worried that his death will come and he will have lived in such a way or died in such a way as to bring shame to Jesus. He says that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored. That's that's where his concern is. Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Either way. You know, he's really either way, whether by life or death. But the thing that really concerns him is, will Jesus Christ be honored in the way that I... He says, I'm confident that he will. I'm confident that through your prayers, the prayers of my friends, the prayers of my church, the prayers of my small group, that I will continue to be faithful to Jesus, that I I will continue to live well, to live for his glory and to die well. That's that's where Paul's deep concern is. Now, friends, here's what this verse is very clear about. In order to die well, you must also live well. You will not die well if you do not live well. Verse 21, let's read it again. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's do a little memorization. Let's read that together, everybody. Ready? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Teresa, go ahead and take it off the screen. Here we go. Can you do it? It was just a few seconds ago. Ready? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. All right, you got it, okay? You got it, all right? Now, what does that mean? For to me to live is Christ. What, what, is, what is Paul talking about there? What Paul is talking about is, Jesus, if you will let me live, what that means for me, my life, what my life means to me is Christ, okay? It's more of Jesus, it's loving Jesus, serving Jesus, knowing Jesus, enjoying Jesus. It's not just simply to be a Christian, but rather to live is to have more of Christ, okay? Listen, listen, you have to be a Christian to have more of Christ, okay? You have to have come to a point in your life where you've repented of your sins and you've seen the glory of Jesus. You've seen that he lived a perfect life and he died a sacrificial death to pay for your sins, to take your place, and that you can come to be joined to him, to have the spirit of God living in you by, by, by turning to him in faith and embracing what he's done for you and following him. Okay, that's what it means to be a Christian. But listen, Christian... You don't have all that there is to be had in Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, I'm not saying that some, some Christians are Happy Meals and some are supersized. I'm not saying that there's like levels, like some people are, are a little bit saved and some people are more saved. Some people are mega saved. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there is so much of Jesus that you never get to the end of him. Okay. That, that being a Christian is about saying, I want more Christ. I want more him. I believe he's what satisfies. I have experienced. If you're a Christian, here's what you ought to be able to say. I've experienced his forgiveness. It's good. I love being forgiven. I've experienced his righteousness. It's good. I love having the spirit of God who who, who tweaks me and and pulls me back into line and shapes my life. And I used to be that thing, but now I'm not anymore. He's making me more like him. And I love it. And I want more of it. You ought to want more. I mean, that's what Paul's saying, man. For me, you give me another day to live, I'm going to live it knowing Christ, pursuing Christ, having Christ. All right? 
Listen, listen to, to, to Paul the way Paul prays. Ephesians 1.18. Here's part of his prayer. He says, man, I'm praying for you guys. That having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Is, is he saying that they don't have any hope? No, he's saying you got hope. I want you to know it better. Okay. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Is he saying they don't have riches? No, they do. He's saying, I want you to have more of them. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Is he saying they don't know about Christ's power? No, he's saying they do. I want you to have more. You see, for Paul, living living meant more of Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. We'll get to this here in a couple months. But here's what Paul says. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and, the, and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Did Paul not know Jesus? He did know Jesus. He says, I want more of Jesus. I want to know him more. I want to experience him more. I want to experience his grace. In Philippians three twelve, he says, not that I've already obtained this. I'm not already there. I'm not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Verse 13, he says, I don't consider that have made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul is saying, you know what living is all about? Living is all about having more of Jesus. You know what really satisfies your soul? Jesus. Let's get more. Let's get more. If God gives us today, let's get more of Jesus. Even Jesus talked this way about God the Father. In John chapter 4, they're sitting around and the disciples are talking about where we're going to have lunch, where we're going to get lunch, Taco Mayo, Pizza Hut, Burger King, McDonald's, what are we going to do? And Jesus said in John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What's Jesus saying? He said, man, you know what I live for, guys? I live to do the work of God. You know what revs me up? You know what nourishes my soul? It's the work of God. In John chapter 6, Verse 35, Jesus said a similar thing. He said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying, you know what? To have me is to have bread. It's to to have sustenance and life and nourishment. I am what it means to live. Okay, you, you've heard people say before, you, you even heard them maybe have T-shirts. Or you've seen T-shirts that say something like this, that, that re- you know, to really live is to fish or, you know, football is really living or shopping is really living. Ugh, you know, how could it be? But some people think that, you know, they, they think this is what it means to really live. Okay. You know what Paul's saying? Real living is to have Christ. You might say, well, pastor, that's just Paul's opinion. You know, it's different for everybody, you know, every, for everybody else. Some people real living is garage sailing. Some people real living is parasailing. Some people real living is the thrill of the sale, making a sale, making money. For some people real living is hunting. For some people it's quilting. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just different for everybody. Well, here's what I would say to you. I think Paul, what Paul says here holds more weight than what you say. Two reasons. Number one, this is in the Bible. Okay, the Bible is written and inspired by the spirit of God. And what the spirit of God is telling us here is that real life is in Jesus. It is having more of him. Okay, more of him, more of him, more of him. Number two, man, Paul's testimony here is pretty compelling to me. When I look at verse 12 through 18, okay, and and I know that Paul is in prison. I know that he's chained to a Roman soldier. I know that he's lost his freedom. I know that execution is about to await him. And here's how he talks. Verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's just giddy about it. 
He said, I've lost my freedom, I've lost everything, but you know what? God is really at work, okay? The gospel is advancing. Paul is at work in his situation. He says in verse 13, the whole praetorian guard, the whole imperial guard has come to know that my imprisonment is all about Christ. Verse 14, the brothers have become more bold. Verse 18, what then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. You see, when when you take everything away from Paul, he's got joy. What happens when you take everything away from you? You see, if real living for you is in a certain thing, what if, man, I love the mountain bike. You know, there's times where I say, man, this is really living. I was mountain biking with Randall just the other day, and um, he he had let me have a little head start, and and I've learned a few tricks from him. And so I waited till the trail was very narrow. And uh, there were trees on both sides. And I slammed on the brakes. And uh, he come in there. He didn't see me right away. He slams on his brakes. He spills it, dumps over, crashes. I take off laughing. And I got I to gotta admit. And I don't think it's sin because he's the one that taught me to do it. And, and I, I got to admit, I was like, this is living. You know, it's living. I'm not saying that there's not times where we really enjoy something but here's what i'm saying if you take mountain biking away from me and and i'm depressed and in a a lump i'm living for the wrong thing you say well man i I just enjoy my family man life for me is my family what if you take your family away life for me is money my retirement having nice things living in my house going to branson traveling in my rv hey what if they take it away what if it gets taken away What do you got left? You know what? Everything could be taken away from Paul. Everything. What's he got? Joy. (laughs) He's got joy. You you can't take Christ away. You can't take his work away. You can't take the gospel away. Man, friends, for Paul to live is Christ. Galatians 2.20 gives us a little insight into kind of what does it mean when Paul says to live is Christ. In Galatians 2.20, it tells us, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is Paul saying there? Paul's saying, you know what? When I came to Jesus, you know what happened? My life passed away. When we have people up here in the baptistry, what what are they saying? When they're baptized, they're saying, I have come to be joined to Jesus Christ, joined to his death, his burial, his resurrection. The old me has died and is buried. And and I'm, I'm new. I'm joined to Jesus, the life that I'm living. I'm not living my life anymore. My life was shackled to sin. My life was lived for self. My life was headed for hell. I don't want that life anymore. I want Jesus' life. And so when Paul says, for me to live is Christ, he's saying, my life is wrapped up in Jesus. And if you give me another day, I'm going to live it for him. Now, friends, if real living for you is Christ, then guess what? To die is gain. To die is gain. Now, please don't use that verse for everybody. Don't misuse the scripture. There are certain verses that apply universally. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can walk up to anybody on the planet and say, hey, can I share with you a verse? 
It, it's Romans 3.23, and it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that, that speaks to you, buddy. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're a sinner. You're, you've fallen short. You're, your heart is broken, and Jesus wants to heal it. Okay, That's true of everybody on the planet. But you can't go up to everybody on the planet and say, Hey, guess what? The Bible says to live as Christ and to die is gain. To die is better. To die is good. No, you can't say that to everybody. Please don't go through the hospital and go door to door telling people that to live as Christ and to die is gain. Don't do that. Number one, it's tacky. Number two, it's not true, okay? It's not true. Let me tell you why it's not true. Because if you are outside of Jesus, you see, Paul is, is referring to himself and he knows he's been born again. He knows the spirit of God lives within him. He knows he's lived his life for the glory of Jesus. And if you're outside of Christ, if you don't have Jesus, if you've not been born again, if you're not joined to him, then any life here, no matter how painful, no matter how lonely, no matter how difficult, is better than death. You see, outside of Christ, the worst life imaginable is better than death for an unbeliever. At least here you have some hope. At least here you have some common graces. You have things like sunshine and water and food and people. You, you have times of relief, no matter how horrible your life is here on this earth. You, you still have times where a day is better than the other day or a moment is better or there's a relief just for a moment in the pain. Listen, here you at least have the common graces of, of a glass of water, the simple pleasures of life. But for those outside of Jesus Christ, death will mean hell and hell is the absence of life. It's the absence of God. It's the absence of all that is good and hopeful and pleasurable in life. But for Paul, joined to Jesus by faith, filled with the Spirit of God, forgiven of his sins, justified by the blood of Christ, saved by Christ's sacrifice, for him, death's not really death. Death's not really death at all. Because dying is simply to be in the presence of Christ. Look at verse 23. He says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart. Paul says, I want to be on that train. I want to cross the river. I'm ready for death. Paul says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Why would it be better, Paul? Why better? You know, I've, I've met a lot of people who are ready to die. Many of them, for the right reason. I can't wait to be with Jesus. Some of them, though, and this is just real, I think we, if we would all be honest, we've all had these feelings. Sometimes we're just tired of living. Sometimes we're just sick or weary or depressed or disillusioned. We're like the prophet Elijah. Remember him? Man, he goes through a rough time. Just pressure, 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 pressure. The, the kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back is Jezebel saying, man, I'm coming after you. He runs out in the wilderness, sits under a tree and says, God, would you just please take me? I'm, I'm just done. I'm tired. That's not what Paul's saying here. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, man, I'd love to stay. And if I stay, here's my plan. My plan is effective service and deep relationships and satisfying work and glory to Jesus. But oh, if he lets me go, if he lets me go, I'm excited about that because that means gain. What's gain? To live as Christ, to die as gain. What's gain? Gain is you get more. Right? You know what gain is? You profit, you know. You had this much, now you got this much. Okay, now why is to live as Christ, to die as gain? Well, if you're living, if for you living as Christ, okay, if, if for you today is all about, I want more of Jesus, I want to I pray, I want to seek the scriptures, I hope that God will bless me with coming to know more of Jesus. All right, if you're that person, then dying, 
brings you into the presence of Jesus, you got more, don't you? You got more. You got gain. If to live is Christ, then to die is gain. It's to have more of Jesus. I mean, that's perfectly logical. First John chapter 3, verse 2 tells us what's going to happen. We're in the presence of Jesus. It says, beloved, we're God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be transformed to be like Christ because we shall see him as he is, okay? So what does Paul say in verse 23 there? He says, to my desire is to depart and to be with Christ. Paul's, Paul's desire is not just to get rid of this life. He's tired. He doesn't want to live anymore. He, he's tired of, of being sick or he's tired of his eye problem. He's tired of being in prison. No, Paul is anxious to have more of Jesus. He wants more of Jesus in this life and death will mean much more of Jesus. And so that's what he wants. I want to be in the presence of Jesus. Man, I'll tell you what, you guys may get tired of me. But I never get tired of Psalm 1611. You're like, how many times do we got to hear this from you? Bonnie's not here today. And uh, she's probably heard it from me more than any because she's been at more of the funerals that I preach than anybody else because she usually sings at them. But Psalm 1611, man, I just don't ever get tired of this. I was out right out this campus walking on the sidewalk. It's been probably 10 years ago. And I was reading Psalm 16. I came across verse 11. And I'm telling you, I mean, I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever read in my entire life. And and I still feel that way, okay? Listen to it. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. Okay, Paul says, for me to depart means to be with Christ, to be in his presence. Okay, what's that like? In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. A lot of people get hung up on what's heaven going to be like. What's it going to be like to be with Christ? You know, well, are we going to be this or that? Are we going to have shoes? Are we going to, you know, have crowns? Are we going to drink Kool-Aid? Are we going to, you know, all, what, all, all these details. I don't know any of that. But I know two things. Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. I'm sold. You got me. I'm in, okay? Whatever that means, fullness of joy, I want. It pleasures forevermore. I mean, I get it. I want that. And Paul is like, yes, that's what it is to be with Christ. And so for me to die is gain. Now, let me, I don't want you to be a hypocrite today. Okay. So I want to help you not be a hypocrite because you know what? It is hypocritical for us to say, I want more of Jesus in death. Okay. It's hypocritical to say, you know what? When I die, I believe what Philippians tells us here, that to die is to be with Christ. I believe that. And I believe what Psalm 1611 says, that in Christ there's fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. But I don't want you to be a hypocrite. And, and here's what's hypocritical. Someone who says, I, 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 I'm good with death. I'm not afraid of death because I believe I'll be with Christ. And I believe that'll be joy and, and pleasure forevermore. But at the same time, they don't care anything about having Christ now. Do you see how that doesn't make sense? You know, to say, you know what, I'm not interested in church and I'm not interested in a small group. And man, I don't, I don't want to read my Bible. It's boring and, and I don't, I'm not going to pray and I'm not going to obey Jesus. I'm not going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to trust Jesus. I'm not concerned with any of that. I don't want any of that now. But when I die, I can't wait because I'll go to heaven and I'll have more of Jesus. If you don't want Jesus now, why would you want, why would more of him be exciting? That's like saying, hey, would you like an ice cream cone? Would you like a Dairy Queen blizzard? And you're like, no, no, not at all. Boy, I can't wait till I get a whole 55-gallon drum of it, you know. That makes sense to me. Does that make sense to you? You see, you got to have both. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If to live is not Christ for you, 
If, if living is not about, I want more Christ. I, I want to experience him more. I want to obey him. I want to follow him. I want to trust him. I want to see what he has for me. I want to serve him. If, if to you, it's, that's not it, then why would you want more? Why would death be gained to you? Be more of what you don't want. Warren Wearsby quotes, I don't know this person, Maltby Babcock, never heard of him. But I like what he said. He says, life is what we're alive to. What are you alive to? What, 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 what stirs you up? You know, you know what I'm saying? When I say, what are you alive to? What will get you out of the recliner? You know? We'll get, you know, you're there. You're in your recliner. It's worn out, you know, years of, of sitting, you know. There you are. What stirs you up? Someone comes in and says, hey, what gets you up? What gets you out? What revs you up? What, whatever it is, let's, let's, let's plug it in. Let's see how it works, okay? Verse 21, let's plug your deal in, okay? For to me to live is... What? 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 No, no, no. Let's, let's plug in for real, though. For me to live is money. What did you plug that in? For me to live is money and to die is... I guess it would be to lose it all. I don't, I, you can't take it with you. For me to live is fame. You say, oh, pastor, I've never wanted to be a rock star. I've never wanted, you know, anything like that. Yeah, the modern day of fame is likes on Facebook. That's what the modern day of fame is. That's how people get their fame. Friends and likes. For to me to live is fame and to die is to be forgotten. For to me to live is power. How about that? And to die is to be helpless. For me to me to live is comfort. Some people, yeah. For me to die is to be out of my comfort zone. For me to live is family. Now that sounds very Christian. And, and you know, it, man, Bible's pro-family. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. How you doing on that one? That, that's, it's up there, isn't it? For me to, me to live as family, to die is to what? To leave them. For to me to live as earthly pleasure, to die is to be deprived of it. What's in that spot for you? Okay, let me ask it another way. This is really just asking the same question a bunch of different ways, okay? Why do you want to live? What, what, what would be your compelling reason? Let's say God appears and he says, all right, guys, man, this planet, it is full. Have you noticed that? You ever been to the city? I mean, this is full, okay? There's just too many people. We're downsizing. And so I'm having interviews with everybody. And so give me the compelling reason that you, you, you want to live. What, what, would you, what, would, what would be there? Now, don't, don't. Here's what we want to do, right? We, we want to say that we would live this next week completely different than we've lived the rest of our life, okay? That, again, isn't that a little hypocritical, you know? I mean, come on, we, we got to be honest, okay, and say, what would be my evidence? What would, I, what would I show God and say, this is why I want to live, God, you know? I'm a Christian, okay, so for me to die is to be in your presence. That's awesome, okay, but what, what's my reason to want to live, okay? What, what's there, you know what, for, if I look at this past week and this past month, I mean, what would be for me to live? What stirs me up? What gets me out of my chair? What am I excited about? What am I pursuing? What do I want more of? And there'd be some, there'd be some sad answers, wouldn't there? Why do you want to live, son? Well, God, my show's not done. It's just three quarters of the way through the season and I don't know what's going to happen, you know, and you know, Julia's preg- pregnant with an alien's baby, and you know, and, and so I just don't know how it's going to come out. You know, and so you got to let me live so I can watch my show. I think you're going out. You know, 
Some folks, well, what, why should you live? Well, I want to go to the job that I hate and complain about and do as little as possible at. Why do you want to live? Look, look at your life. Look at the last week. What? What's there? What's there? What's, what's the compelling thing that's there? Here's what Paul says, and, and his life matched this too. Just, God, if I live, here's the way it's going to be. Verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, so if I, God keeps me living here, that means, okay, several things, fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall, not, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's better. But to remain in the flesh is, look at this one, more necessary. More necessary for you on your account. Would you be able to say, man, it's, it's, it's necessary for me to live because, man, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with people and I'm, I'm building people up in their faith and I'm, I'm comforting. I'm, I'm building a friendship with so-and-so and, man, I've got a fruitful ministry going on there. Verse 24, to remain in, in, the, in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Verse 25, convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all. Why? Two things here. For your progress and joy in the faith. What, what's Paul going to do if God keeps him living? Well, he's going to have fruitful labor. It's gonna be, he's going to be essential in people's lives. He's going to be a catalyst for people to have joy in the faith and to progress and their love for Christ. That's pretty compelling, isn't it? That's pretty compelling. I think about Romans 1, 11 and 12, our small group verse. You've heard it from me a million times. Paul says, I long to see you. That's kind of what he says here in Philippians where he says, I want to continue with you. I long to see you. I want to get together with you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith with yours and mine. You know, I think about Second Peter. Paul was great at this. Paul was great at pointing people to the promises of God. Pointing them to, hey, here's what God's done in you. Here's what God's going to do. It's kind of like writing a check, isn't it? That's what Spurgeon called it. Spurgeon called the promises of the Bible face checkbook. And we get excited when we get a check, don't we? Hey, listen to this. You're going to like this. I got a check from my mortgage company a couple weeks ago. Isn't that awesome? We refinanced and got a lower weight. And so like they, they, they drafted my account right before, like the day before we, we signed the note. And so, so the money I borrowed didn't include the draft they took out. And so, and, and there was some other stuff. And I got an $800 check from my mortgage company. They paid me. I opened it up, held it in the air, you know, and I, I just had great joy. Got two kids going in the eye doctor Tuesday. I'm like, there's the glasses right there. God's provided. You know what Paul was great at? He was great at holding checks up to people. He said, hey, hey, Peggy, you're forgiven. It says right here, you're justified. Lynn, you, you got the righteousness of Christ. Dave, you got, a, you got the spirit of God in you. Do you see that? That's encouraging, isn't it? I was driving from the 8.30 service to the 9.45 service, and I was thinking about what I just preached, and I was thinking about, man, you know, should we all be living that way? And I passed this guy. He's just walking down the street, and I just kind of used him as an example. Can, can that guy live that way? I don't know anything about him. I just know he's walking. He kind of looks like he's walking aimlessly. You know, he's just walking. And I started thinking, yes, everybody can. 
You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to write. Can, can you, can you, this week, be an encouragement to the faith of others? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Just by your own faith, by your own living out the gospel. You don't have to say the right words. You don't have to have scripture. You, just by you coming here and celebrating Jesus, you walk around the greeting and say, man, I'm so glad to be here. The Lord is good. That encourages the faith of others. Do you live that way? Do you have some kind of compelling reason to live? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. You know, what if, what if you don't? What if to continue to live does not mean fruitful labor for you? What if, what if honestly, to continue to live just is more the daily grind, more the job you hate, more the marriage you don't work at, more of the friends that you don't cultivate, more looking inwardly, navel-gazing about all that's wrong in your life and discontent and grumbling? What if, what if that's what to live is for you? Folks, you have to live well to die well. Dying is gain for the believer. But but don't don't disconnect it from the rest of that verse. Ready? For to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so the real question is for you is to live as Christ. Is that for you to live as Christ? Let's pray. Jesus, we want more of you. God, you've been so good to us, and God, salvation is good. Lord, how you've changed our hearts is good. How you've enabled us to follow you is good. Uh, Lord, you bring joy. You bring peace. We want more. God, we want more of, of Christ. Lord, we want more of him in this life, and Lord, we want more of him in the next. Uh, we, we want to be in your presence someday where we're, we'll have all of you. Father, just give great hope, give great joy to these folks here today. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.